Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the USCfootball.com Peristyle pregame show. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, publisher of USCfootball.com, and I'm joined by USCfootball.com reporters Shotgun Spratling and Keely Yorn. Over the next hour, we will be previewing USC and BYU. We cover the Trojans 24 hours a day, 365 days a year at USCfootball.com with reports, analysis, interviews, podcasts, photos, videos, and lots more. Make sure you check out the site for wall-to-wall USC coverage. The Peristyle pregame show is proudly sponsored by Trader Joe's. Stop by your neighborhood Trader Joe's for all your tailgating needs like canned wine, lote spiced corn chips, and yes, even hummus. We aren't afraid of interesting food at a tailgate party. All right, let's bring in Keely and Shotgun and give out our awards for the Stanford game. So first up, we have the offense. If you watched any of the USC Stanford game, I think the pick is pretty obvious. Keaton Slovis was my pick for offensive MVP, 28 of 33 for 377 passing yards and three touchdowns. He was also the Pac-12 player, offensive player of the week. How could you not give it to the rookie? What a first start for the kid. Fantastic outing by Keaton Slovis there. On the defensive side, you got Elijah Griffin. He had four pass breakups in this game. I think teams are now 0 of 10 when throwing at him in this season so far. So he's having a spectacular season already in the first two games. And I love the way he comes up and helps out in the run game. Yeah, keep it on the defensive side of the ball. For the linemen, we had an offensive lineman last week. This week, Jay Tufele. He was tied on the team for second with six tackles. He had a sack. And that big stop on fourth and one early in the fourth quarter, he shed his blocker, made the tackle, made the stop. USC got the ball back and basically sealed the game. Now for special teams, it was an up and down game for them, but I have to go with Austin Jackson just for his field goal block. Definitely took the wind out of Jet Toner's sails and definitely kept the team on its roll. Yeah, the two field goals were missed by Stanford, but USC had a mistake earlier with the with the fumbled kickoff return. But what about the pass defense from Elijah Griffin? Right after that, Stanford has an opportunity to go up maybe 21-3. They hold them to a field goal, the defense does. So that's our lighting the torch. Fantastic play. Two plays in that sequence from Elijah Griffin. Going up, giving up seven inches to Colby Parkinson, the six foot seven tight end. He doesn't matter. He shows off the vertical, bats away a couple of passes there. And going from the lighting the torch to the head-scratcher of the week, USC looked like they were going to get blown out at that point. 14-3 and Stanford knocking on the door, but Elijah Griffin makes that play, forces the field goal, and then from that point on, USC goes on a 42-3 run. That's the head-scratcher of the week. USC goes from about to be blown out to completely blowing out and demolishing Stanford. Yeah, it was a really weird se- sequence there, but let's look at something USC has to fix in the upcoming weeks. The, our fixer-upper this week is defending the screen game. You've seen it the, the first two games. USC's defense has been over-pursuing at, on the defensive line and giving up some big yardage in the screens. That's where Stanford's first touchdown to Connor Weddington came from on a screen. They've got to do a little bit better. Talk to Clancy Pendergast about this that this week and he said you know we'd, we'd love to be doing better against the the screens but we've got to recognize earlier that what is going on and be able to turn and run to the ball and everyone pursuing the ball so it's going to take a team effort there but the defensive line has to do a little bit better well let's switch gears 
From looking into the past, let's look forward USC's matchup against BYU. First up, Zach Wilson, BYU's quarterback versus USC's edge defenders. What Shotgun talked about was something that defensive line coach Chad K also talked about. He said uh, Clancy Pendergast, the defensive coordinator, sat down the defensive staff and they looked at the three areas of weakness. One, defending screens, and two, perimeter defense, those edge defenders and scrambling quarterbacks. And that's something that Wilson can do. It all starts with discipline. Can USC's defenders be disciplined and stick to doing their job? That's something that definitely will be key in this game. Another key matchup will be USC's great wide receiver core that they've just shined the first couple of games versus a top 20 pass defense for BYU. We saw USC use a ton of four receiver sets against Stanford. We'll see if they do that against BYU. I think they're going to drop more guys in the coverage. BYU's rush defense is a little more suspect, so maybe they're not going to take as many shots, but watch for the wide receivers how they do against this top 20 pass defense for the Cougars. And USC's wide receiver group is deep as well. You've got young guys, freshmen, Drake London, Manier McClain coming out and getting some playing time, John Jackson. you know, How are those guys going to react? Because our last matchup is the Trojan team going on the road, facing a hostile environment. You know They've struggled on the road at the beginning of seasons at, at times in the past, and this is going to be an atmosphere that's not quite Stanford last year where they opened at, where it's not going to be people reading books in the stands. It's going to be closer to Texas on the other end where it was wild and crazy. You know, I think the BYU fans are going to be up and going to be excited for this matchup, getting to see USC come to town. So how does USC handle that? How do they handle if it gets too loud? Do they have to go to silent counts? Do they have to do some things that you don't have to do necessarily at home? How does USC take care of that and be able to communicate well on the offensive line and on the defensive line as well to be able to, to take care of business against BYU? Lavelle Edwards Stadium is going to be rocking a little later this afternoon, Saturday in Provo, Utah. Make sure you check it out here on KABC. All right, next up, you know, we had Austin Jackson as our special teams player of the week, but that's not his main job blocking field goals. No, he's USC's left tackle. Our shotgun Spratling caught up with him in practice this week to get his thoughts on facing this BYU Cougar front seven. Shotgun Spratling with the Peristyle pregame show here with Austin Jackson. Austin, you guys coming off a big win over Stanford, 45-20. to 20. Offensive line opened up some big holes. But looking forward to BYU, what, what's kind of something you're looking at from that BYU front? What's something that you've seen on tape from them? Uh, you know, it's a really big front, and I feel they move really well for their size, definitely. And um, it should be a great challenge. It should be a lot of fun. You know, I'm looking forward to lining up with my guys against their guys. They're a great team. I'm sure a lot of fun was had Saturday night as well when you put up 45 points. You know what ha- have you seen from this offensive line to go from last year being uh, you know a trouble spot to this year being looking like a strength through the first two games? Um, I say definitely comes from our preparation just throughout um, the off season. Um, having a season like we did last year, it's very easy to see what you did wrong, and we weren't ignorant to what we did wrong last last season, and really honed in on those things and then some coming into this year. Clay Helton said that part of the reason why he thinks you guys are doing so well this season is that you've got three or four guys that have been here for three years, you know, guys that have kind of grown up together. What's it like playing with the guys beside you, Brett and Elon, Elijah Vera Tucker, Andrew Voorhees, and Jalen McKenzie, those those four guys that have all came in in the same class? How have you guys kind of worked together to, to produce this offensive line that's excelling right now? We really just leaned on each other throughout the whole process. Um, you know, Liz and our previous coach and then, going through the coaching changes to the program and leaning on each other through it all and making sure that we do the best we can do. Keeping that mentality really helped us. You know, like you said, being together for three years definitely helped and makes the process a lot more easier. 
you add a unique piece in Drew Richmond coming in as a graduate transfer of the University of Tennessee, played a bunch in the SEC. What has he added to the room for you guys? Definitely a lot of professionalism. You know, he's, he's been very professional, came in, learning the playbook on the go. And, you know, if you come out here early, you see him working on his passes early. And uh, just just great hard-working attitude. You know, we've, he's never had any problems. Um, I think he's a great addition. You guys had to adapt in the first game with JT Daniels going down. New quarterback Keaton Slovis comes in. What kind of adjustments do you have to make as an offensive line? Are there many adjustments in this offense when you have a different quarterback? Uh, no, I wouldn't say it's too many adjustments. You know, our, our job and our goal is to keep whoever's back there safe, you know, as long as as long as we can, longer than they need. So I think for us, the attitude stays the same. But having a definitely a younger guy back there too. Um, Kind of, I don't know, heightens your ability, I would say. He was a guy that, that was pretty pumped up on the sideline, both in the Fresno State game and last game. It looked like he was even you know, kind of trying to pick up the group and lead on the sideline. Where have you seen his leadership you know, kind of grow you know, from when you first got here to now? Yeah, so coming in as a freshman, coming in early, he came in spring. He was a little shy like, like most kids are, but uh, when we stepped on the football field, uh, all that went away. Who's throwing passes that he's that you don't see a lot of freshmen throw, and um, you know he made his mistakes, but he learned from them. He corrected them consciously, and uh, I think that just really speaks to his character, who he is. Lastly, obviously the, the college game day feature that was done on on you and your sister um, was a great look into what you did in the off season to help your sister out. Give us an update on how she's doing. Uh, you know, where is her? Where is she at in her recovery right now? She's actually home from the hospital about a month earlier. You know, I think yesterday, actually, she was supposed to be discharged. And we said that way back in January. So for her to be back a month earlier is, is a great thing. You know, she's she's making great strides. You know, her body really accepted my bone marrow pretty well. That's great to hear. And we look forward to, to seeing you on the field the rest of the season. Good luck against BYU. Yep, thank you. Great stuff, Shotgun, from Austin Jackson. Awesome to see Autumn his sister doing well and coming home from the hospital early. That was a great story on uh, college game day. Great feature showing uh, Austin Jackson and the lighter side of the big left tackle for USC. But overall, this offensive line, guys, Clay Elton told us this was going to be a big, you know, a much improved unit. I think Tim Drevo, the offensive line coach, was saying the same thing. They look pretty good against the Stanford front. What do you expect from these guys going forward? You know, we joked about how Graham Harrell basically said, I told you so, in his post-game press about Keaton Slovis. Well, Tim Dredno, the offensive line coach, essentially said that this week. He said, I told you so. And Clay Helton agreed and called it the biggest secret weapon coming into this season. But speaking of Austin Jackson, he's on that left side, locking it down with Elijah Vera Tucker. Those two have just been dominant on that Stephen Carr touchdown against Stanford. They really walled off that edge and gave him a, a big lane to run. And so that's something you want to see from this line, that improvement, the communication. Brett Nealon. Not the biggest center, but he's so feisty and plays sometimes past the whistle. He's just a guy who won't let you pass because his mind has made that up. And speaking of I told you so's, I think we deserve one, me and you, Keeley, for oh, Elijah yes. Vera Tucker. I mean, we were uh, stumping for him all last season to get a little bit more playing time because he's been out there. He's been dominating on that left side. He's actually a former soccer player. I don't know if you guys know this. You really? know, so, so that helps with the feet that he has. You know, He has really good feet, and he's able to get to the second level there as well uh, on that side. I think that they've done a really good job. of The, the communication has been the biggest difference, though. Uh, like you said with Brett Nealon, just seeing 
seeing the way the guys are communicating, especially on stunts and twists, things that Stanford did last year really, really well, where they were going with some two gaps, twists, and stunts last year. USC picked those up this game. You know, that was something where JT Daniels got really beat up last year because Toa Lobanon would turn his back and try to take on a guy, and another guy would come from behind. And this time, you know, Brett Nealon was able to communicate, but also the, the outside guys with the inside guys doing the same thing. We saw a couple different times where Stanford would try to do some games and twist up front and got nothing. So I think that unit has been much improved, but it all starts with the communication and also the weight room. That's something we've heard from a couple of the guys as well is that they're stronger and that's showing up on the field so far. Double A, lifting heavy, eating thick, making a difference on the field for USC. We'll see how this offensive line does against that BYU front. We're going to take a quick break. Come right back. Our player perspective with Taylor Mays, former USC All-American. Keely Yor sat down with him to get his perspective on these BYU Cougars. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Peristyle pregame show. Special thanks to our sponsors, Platinum Storage, and the store local companies for sponsoring our show. Platinum Storage has locations all around Southern California, and you can find them online at PlatinumStorage.com. Now, this next segment is one of my favorite. We call it Player's Perspective. And what better player to have with us than three-time All-American and former USC safety Taylor Mays. Taylor, thanks so much for coming in today. Hey, Keely, what's going on? I'm happy to be here. This week... Um, I was asked a lot about the Lin Swan news. As you know, uh, he resigned on Monday. And so that's something that's perfect for a player's perspective. Just because a lot of people ask me, how does this affect the football team? How does it affect a player when kind of the outside noise is happening? From your perspective, when things like that happen, what is going on with the team? From the outside looking in, especially on paper, it seems like a huge deal. But when you really think about it, as a player for these guys... I don't see it as being a huge deal. Yeah, it's our athletic director. Yeah, he's showing his face uh, in pregame. Everybody knows who he is. But at the same time, Coach Helton, he's the one that's there every day. He's the one that sees the players every day. The players see their uh, position coaches. They see each other. They don't necessarily see Lin Swan. So to the players, I don't think it's a huge deal. I think it's just an administrative problem. That's how I see it as. And I don't think it'll affect the players at all going forward but it seems like it would be a bigger deal than it is for the players but I don't really potentially see that causing any harm for our guys moving forward I think they'll be focused on the task at hand and speaking of the task at hand moving back to the field and what happened there Saturday's performance 45 to 20 beat down over Stanford uh, Keaton Slovis in his first start when you have a guy kind of come out and debut himself like Keaton did is that almost setting the bar too high like what should fans expect going forward from uh, a rookie like him well definitely he set the bar very high but at the same time that's why he came to the University of Southern California he came to USC because he potentially wanted to be the next great USC quarterback and with that come a lot of expectations a lot of people are going to expect 400 yards a game for him passing and that's really just not realistic but at the same time he's going to have to learn how to deal with the pressure 
deal with the criticism, deal with the good and the bad all the same. So really at the end of the day, as long as he continues to get better as a quarterback, as long as he becomes a complete quarterback, listen, this is, he's a true freshman. This was his first start. He did awesome. But there are a lot of things that he still needs to get better at. But like I said, he came to USC for this opportunity. Now it's up to him to really relish this opportunity and just become as, as good of a quarterback as he can. And hopefully he can continue to grow and mature and really lead this team like he did last Saturday. Yeah, well, from all accounts, we've heard that Keaton's been handling it well so far. So yeah. that's something that you want to see from that quarterback. Uh, but as far as the other side of all the defense and how they performed on Saturday, it was a little bit of a slow start, kind of a bend but don't break. I know USC special teams didn't really give them uh, yeah. good opportunities in the beginning. But what did you take away from that defensive performance? I thought the defense played well, uh, at least a little bit better in the second half. They had two huge stops in the second half that I was really proud of the guys. They came out after a turnover and had a huge three and out. And I was thinking, this is the type of attitude that a defense wants to have all the time. Sometimes on defense, you can't control what the offense does. You can't control uh, field position. You just kind of have to go out there and do your thing. And I always thought of defensive players kind of as – Navy SEALs. Get just guys that you send in when the going's getting bad and you got to send in your specialists. And that's really the attitude that uh, I've always had on defense. That's the attitude I hope these guys have. They started slow. I think that it's one of the struggles in football is trying to maintain a high level of enthusiasm and uh, just play fast and aggressive all the time. And hopefully the guys uh, can continue to learn from the mistakes that they made and from coming out a little flat and just moving forward, being able to maintain that uh, level of aggression and playing fast throughout the entire game from the first snap. You mentioned that critical stop uh, after that that fumble from Bayless Jones. I thought a guy who really sparked that was Elijah Griffin. Uh, Four pass breakups, four tackles in the game. What did you see from his performance? It really was a a coming-out party for him against Stanford. Well, Elijah really opened my eyes. When I went to practice a couple weeks ago, I thought the corners in – were playing a little soft. I thought they weren't playing very physical and getting off blocks. And after this game, after watching Elijah, smallest guy on the field, he plays fearless. At corner, you have to compete. And this guy exemplifies, or at least he did last Saturday, what it should mean to play corner. He was competing. He was throwing his body around. And more than anything else, he was having fun playing. He was having fun. He was excited. A lot of times a receiver might catch the ball initially and it's up to the corner to kind of scratch and claw and try to rip the ball out as they're going to the ground he's that type of player you have to have that kind of attitude because when you're playing corner you have to have confidence in yourself I can see the confidence in him I like him I hope that the rest of the DB room and the other corners on the team can learn from him he is young but I hope that he can continue to get better as a player and other guys can follow suit because he's providing an awesome example on uh, playing corner right now. Now, when you have such a high win like USC did against Stanford on Saturday, there's always the potential of of a letdown the following week. Now, that's especially true with BYU. USC goes on the road. It's going to be a hostile environment. How, as a team, do you prevent a letdown happening, a a trap game happening? Well, Keely, I think that this next game against BYU will be in – even more important game than Stanford's game was. We didn't really know where this USC team was coming off of the Fresno State game. They came against uh, Stanford, really played well. And going into this BYU game, I think will be a test of the integrity and the character 
of this USC team. They have Utah coming up the next week. Are they overlooking this uh, BYU team ahead on to Utah? We're going into Provo. These are the types of games that historically the better team loses. We lost these types of games when I was in school here. I hope that our guys will have the same work ethic and the same attitude going into this week that they did uh, previously against Stanford. This BYU team is hungry. They are one and one. They played subpar Tennessee team and they played Utah tough. So I think at this point, it's up to the coaches really to provide the example. And I remember a couple of times when I was in college and in the pros where we would win, have won a huge game and our coaches would come in and treat us as if we had just got blown out. And I think that's kind of the attitude that the coaches can have with some of the players where they can keep the players on their toes. It's the coach's obligation really to maintain the same level of practice and the expectations for the players. Hopefully the coaches this week are staying on the players and letting them know, hey guys, that was one game. We really have to continue to do this week in, week out. So you mentioned that this is a hungry BYU team. When you've scouted this team, what are their advantages over USC? Where are their strengths? Well, the main advantage I see right now is uh, Zach Wilson, at quarterback. He's a dual threat quarterback. He doesn't have a ton of experience. However, he has more experience than any quarterback that we face so far. Now, in terms of Zach Wilson and his mobility, USC's defensive coaches talked about this week how they've done some self-scouting about their weaknesses, and they had three basically main areas of concern. One, perimeter defense, two, defending the screen play, and three, misdirection plays, which kind of all ties into the threat that Wilson could pose for this defense. So what's their mindset coming in to try and stop Wilson and, and address their weaknesses? Well, I think that we've seen from our defense so far, our defense has played well, and they've struggled doing certain things, playing on the edge, playing physical, getting off blocks, and some misdirection plays. And for us against Zach Wilson, we have to, I say this every time, we have to be disciplined on defense. Guys have to have their eyes in the right place. Guys have to follow their assignments. Because when you see misdirection, you see the offensive line going one way, it's easy to step with that flow. But your tight end or your fullback might be going the complete opposite way. And it feels natural to go with the flow, but it just comes down to discipline and repetition and doing it so many times in a row at practice that you sometimes know what it's going to be before the play actually happens. But even if you don't know before, at least when it happens in real time, you're able to read and react and follow your assignments. Every time a guy or a big play busts or a ball bounces outside, it's always somebody's fault. And the majority of the time, it has to do with technical assignments and guys either falling out of a gap. Rarely does it just have to do with a guy getting beat physically. So I would say definitely that our guys need to do their assignments and really hopefully they're practicing that this week because it's really going to show up on Saturday. Yeah, that's something that they said that they were practicing. They're doing a lot of drills to address those weaknesses, but they yeah. also have done some things schematically to try and fix that. They didn't really want to tell us right now yeah. to give away some game secrets, but well, that'll be something to watch for for sure on Saturday. Now, on the other side of the ball, if you're BYU, you're their defense, how are you going to get into Keaton Slovis' head? How are you going to try and make him uncomfortable? Well, so this is what we, when we were saying earlier, talking about Keaton and his progression as a quarterback. This is going to be a completely different game for him. Stanford has great corners they ran some man on the outside I think this game will be completely different because if I was BYU and BYU has shown us on film 
they'll run a lot of zone and play zone underneath. And the difference with that is, is in zone, especially underneath the linebackers and the safeties, you have more eyes on the quarterback. You have guys sitting, playing off the quarterback. So it's going to be on Keaton to go through his read progression. If he's looking, staring down receivers, he might pay for it. And hopefully this will be the next step of him and his development because they can make us pay for it. You have to have more precise throws in zone coverage than you do in man because in man, the defender's back is to the quarterback. He doesn't see where the ball is. You still have to be precise in your throws, obviously. But in zone, you're trying to throw the ball into pockets. You're throwing it into uh, set spaces. Receivers have to run the routes at certain depths, inside the numbers, outside the numbers, uh, two yards inside of the hash or outside of the hash. And this will be a completely different game. He's not just throwing the ball up for Mike Pittman to catch. He has to throw the ball, be a drop-back quarterback, you know, earn his uh, money as quarterback, no pun intended. Now, I know, like I said last week, you're not a predictions guy, but what are you feeling for this game? What's your What's your prediction? So I think this game will go two ways. I think it'll be a very tight game. I would say 7-18, to 18, very close game, us winning, or I think we'll blow them out. I think, obviously, we outmatched them physically, and Keaton could put up a lot of points. But at the same time, if they play and get in his head and move their safeties around and move their linebackers around, we could really struggle, especially if we let uh, the crowd get into it. And if we give them any confidence early in the game, uh, it's going to be hard to then counter that in the second half. Thanks so much, Taylor, for coming in. We always appreciate your time. Thank you, Kenny. Alrighty, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going behind enemy lines. We're going to get the scoop on the BYU Cougars and what to expect for Saturday's game. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Peristyle pregame show. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. And this is a segment we like to call Behind Enemy Lines, where we get an in-depth look at USC's upcoming opponent. Before we jump in, I want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. Uh, They've been great sponsoring the Peristyle pregame show. The next time you visit the USC campus, check out Trader Joe's at the USC Village, where you'll find food and drink from the everyday to the oddly interesting, all at amazing prices. You can't miss the store. It's in the red brick building. All right. Our guest, Mitch Harper. Follow him on Twitter at Mitch underscore Harper. He's the publisher of Cougar Sports Insider right here on the 24-7 Sports Network. You can also find him talking about the Cougars on KSL Channel 5 in Salt Lake City. And he's also the host of Cougar Sports Saturday on KSL News Radio. Mitch Harper, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, happy to be on board, Ryan. That's uh, great. It's, uh, did I miss any of your titles? You do, you do a lot over there in Salt Lake City, it seems like. Yeah, I do. I am publisher of CougarSportsInsider.com and then also uh, creating content with uh, KSL and on radio and TV. So it keeps you busy. You know, BYU is a passionate fan base and and this this fan base really wants to consume content. So I strive to provide that on a lot of different outlets. Had a great time. I went there back in the early 2000s and uh, had fun uh, going to the game. 
uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And right now, you know, BYU's coming into this game with a one and one record. Tough, you know, opening loss to uh, rival Utah, but man, a great come from behind victory in Knoxville, Tennessee. What would you say the mindset of this team is uh, right now heading into the USC game? Yeah, I think I think they're really confident right now, Ryan. I think that they're a team that getting that win against Tennessee, it was the absolute must-win situation because you know both teams, Tennessee and BYU, they were looking to fend off an 0-2 start, and and both head coaches kind of a little bit under fire. Kalani Satake now you know has been winless against Utah, as you mentioned in that rivalry game against the Utes. So last week was a must-win for the Cougars, and they came away with a victory despite. At no point leading in regulation, they never led the, in the game <laughs> until overtime, and they still found a way to get it done. So that was a much-needed win for this BYU team. Yes, my wife. My wife's a Tennessee grad. She was not very happy about that one, but <laughs> really exciting game. Uh, but now the Cougars get to come back home. If you're a USC fan making the trip, maybe you're driving out to uh, Provo or flying to Salt Lake City, wherever you're doing, what do you think the environment's going to be like in Lavelle Edwards uh, Stadium for this one? You know, that's a great question, Ryan, because, I mean, BYU has had, like many programs out west in particular and around the country, there, there's been some attendance issues for the first time ever, uh, at least in the last 30 years, 30, 40 years of BYU football in the rivalry game. They didn't sell it out. That was the last home game against the Utes a couple weeks ago. It wasn't a sellout. So I, I'm kind of curious, like, like many, to see what the attendance figure will actually be. Now, an afternoon kickoff, I think, should help the cause, and USC is so – prestigious of a brand at least regionally and nationally that uh it should bring more fans to the gate for this game but i i think BYU fans are are going to be energetic early on but i think they're also kind of a little bit nervous because this byu team even though they won last week the offense has still been inconsistent to the point where you don't know what to expect and that's been kind of the calling card of kalani satake teams since he's been the head coach you just can't figure them out from one week to the next so I think the fans will, will show up in a pretty good number. I don't know if it'll be a sellout, but they'll also be a little bit nervous as well. The uh, You mentioned the kind of inconsistencies on offense. Seems like a much better second-half team is like scoring-wise. I think only nine points total in the first half of the first two games. It, anything going on with that? What do, you, what do you make of that? Yeah, I think that one of the big things, Ryan, is that you know this BYU program, it's been this way for regardless of who's the head coach, but they're going to have a bunch of guys that are going to give effort for a full 60 minutes they're not going to give up a lot of this roster at BYU is the guys that that dream of being at BYU I mean you look at the recruiting rankings as well as anyone and and BYU is not anywhere near the elite of college football and recruiting rankings they're in the you know the the bottom half of college football and recruiting rankings at least recently so but you got a bunch of guys they're going to give it their all for 60 minutes and and they've been conditioned pretty well I mean Kalani Satake has made it a point of emphasis to be lifting every single day and the, the workouts they were put through in the off season were pretty rigorous and they wanted to make sure this was a team that could handle adversity and respond because a couple of years ago when they went four and nine, they were a program that couldn't handle any sort of adversity. So they've made a lot of improvements in that regard, but still uh, this is probably going to be one of the toughest challenges coming up on Saturday afternoon that they've seen at this point. Uh, quarterback, Zach Wilson, dual threat guy. You can beat you with his arm and his legs. He was uh pretty much perfect in the bowl game. He was perfect. Uh, how has he played so far this year? And how do you think he's developed from his freshman year to now his uh, sophomore campaign? I think he's done a nice job thus far. I mean, it hasn't been, uh, you know, lights out like it was in the, in the bowl game. I mean, he's had, you know, that Utah game in week one, you could maybe say he was a big reason why BYU lost. The Cougars had two 
interceptions that resulted in pick sixes against Utah. So, you know, those can be looked at to point at the Zach Wilson. But I thought last week he did pretty good. I mean, he had 245 yards, 19 to 29. Not the greatest game, but he got the job done and made a clutch play at the end of regulation to complete a 64-yard pass to Micah Simon. So, you know, Zach Wilson's a guy that in the offseason he was working with former NFL quarterback and former BYU quarterback who played USC the last time the Cougars and the Trojans squared off, and that was John Beck. He was training with him in the offseason. And anyone that talks about Zach Wilson, they'll say the guy's a film junkie. He actually had some uh, training sessions with Drew Brees, Jimmy Garoppolo, Blake Bortles. So Wilson's been a guy that, uh, you know, he's dabbled with a lot of different people to kind of maximize his abilities as a quarterback. And it's kind of interesting too, Ryan, he's a guy, as far as recruiting goes, very similar to that of Keaton Slovis, a three-star kid, not the most heralded recruit coming out of high school, but seems to be a perfect fit at the program he's currently at. And, and I think that he is the right fit for BYU. It's just still some growing pains and it hasn't had that, that great performance like he had last year at the end of the season in the bowl game. USC had some trouble with uh, a mobile quarterback in the first game against Fresno State, uh, Jorge Reyna. Um, what do you think Zach Wilson can do with his legs in this one, and how overall has the, the Cougars' running game been? Yeah, I think the, the running game, I don't know if we're going to see as many designed runs for Zach Wilson. That, that tailored off quite a bit from week one to week two against Tennessee. There was like four or five designed runs against Utah. If memory serves me right, he only had two against Tennessee. So, And keep in mind, Zach Wilson is coming back from shoulder surgery that he had earlier this year. So he wants to avoid getting hit as much as possible. But it's interesting, Kalani Satake, the head coach of Cougars, he said a couple weeks ago that hey, he wants just you know Zach to just run. He doesn't want him to slide as a quarterback because he feels the quarterbacks aren't protected well enough. So that was kind of an interesting commentary from Satake. But if he's asked to run... You know, Zach Wilson can can pop off some big plays. He had a 26-yarder a couple weeks ago against Utah. So he's a guy that he he has the ability to pop off a big play. I just don't think BYU is going to turn to that well very often. I think they'd more uh, likely turn to running back Jason Williams, a South Carolina graduate transfer who who's been a kind of a a big thing for BYU. Last week he had 97 yards, had a rushing touchdown, two rushing touchdowns, including the game winner against Tennessee. So they're going to be more likely to turn to him in the running attack rather than Zach Wilson. Switching over to the defensive side of the football, it looks like the uh, BYU pass defense has been pretty good this year. USC's strength is definitely going to be through its wide receiver core. Any kind of insight to the, the matchup between uh, the BYU secondary and USC's receivers? Yeah, number 20 nationally in pass defense. But i got to say, Ryan, I think since Kalani Sataki has been the head coach, I think this is the toughest challenge that BYU – has faced since Kalani's been here as far as defending the pass. I mean, I looked through all the opponents that Kalani defenses have faced, and I just think this is the most prolific passing attack that BYU is going to see since Kalani's been the head coach. Now, as far as the personnel goes, you know, the, the star of BYU secondary, well, the two stars are Diane Gonwoluku at right cornerback and then also at strong safety, Austin Lee, a former Utah transfer. Those are your top two guys that are going to be, I think, the stars of BYU secondary. Now, they also moved a linebacker, Zane Anderson, who was at the outside linebacker spot. They call it the flash linebacker position. They moved him back to free safety last week against Tennessee. He's now at free safety permanently moving forward the rest of the way. So he gives them more athleticism and and trying to maximize, get that best 11 on the field. So they got some talented guys. And and I think that there's, you know, going to be some opportunity to get some takeaways potentially with this group. They are pretty aggressive. 
But at the same time, I think that uh, this is the toughest challenge they've seen to date. Tyler Huntley at Utah, good, solid quarterback, not, nothing too special. Uh, Jarrett Garantano at Tennessee, you know, I don't think he was that great of a quarterback. This will be the toughest challenge for the secondary to date this season and I think in the Kalani Satake era. About the uh, the front seven, I think uh, nine different guys have tackles for loss so far this year, but just one sack. I think they've had a little bit of trouble stopping the run. What what have you seen from the defensive front seven for the Cougars? Yeah, the, the, the defensive front seven, I think, is a strength, especially the defensive line. The interior of the defensive line in particular, uh, Kyrus Tonga, he's the most noteworthy guy. He's 6'4", 321. He's a junior. He was a two-star recruit coming out of high school. He was originally a tight end in high school. He was a Utah signee when Kalani Satake and Elisa Tuiaki were at Utah. He goes on a, a two-year Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint mission, comes back, signs with BYU, and he's become a big thing for BYU. Last year, or last week, excuse me, battled some, some knee tightness, a knee issue, so kind of limited his availability last week, but he's full go this week, and he's going to be a guy that I think potentially could be an NFL player next season. Uh, I think this might be his last year at BYU, but then other guys like Lorenzo Fawatea, he was a three-star kid, uh, Brackenell back. They, they got some massive individuals along their defensive line, but as far as creating havoc and, and getting to the quarterback, uh, that just hasn't happened as much, but they're good run stuffers. They're going to be uh, guys that, and it hasn't bore out yet. I mean, the, the, the run production of the opponents has been pretty good for the first two weeks, but I think that BYU feels confident they're going to turn the corner eventually in stopping the run. So I think that's a, a strength of BYU's team. And then at linebacker, the guy to keep an eye on is Chaz Ayu. He's now taking over that outside linebacker role for Zane Anderson, who, like I said earlier, moved over to safety. He's a former four-star kid, had offers from a lot of programs around the country, probably the most recruited kid on BYU's roster. They're really high on him, and that was one of the reasons they made that position change was to get Chaz Ayu on the field in that outside linebacker spot. They're really high on his abilities to make big plays. All right, he is Mitch Harper, publisher of Cougar Sports Insider right here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Thanks so much, Mitch, for coming on. Hey, thanks, Ryan. All right, that's Mitch Harper. We're going to take a quick break and be back for our final segment here on the Peristyle Pregame Show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the USCFootball.com Peristyle pregame show. We're going to finish up the show with Chris Trevino's five bold predictions for USC BYU. We'll get reaction from Keely Yor, Shotgun Spratling, and myself. Then Chris Trevino also talked to Chad Kay at practice this week, USC defensive line coach who coached at Boise State against BYU and also goes way back with BYU head coach Kalani Sataki. So we'll also get an injury update from Keeley, and then Keeley Shotgun and myself will give our final predictions. Before we jump into it, I want to thank our sponsors, Platinum Storage and the store local companies for sponsoring the Peristyle pregame show. Platinum Storage has locations all around Southern California. You can find them online at PlatinumStorage.com. Here's Chris's bold predictions. This is Chris Trevino again with uscfootball.com, giving you my five predictions for this week's matchup with BYU. Prediction number one, USC records at least 200 rushing yards. 
This one's pretty simple. BYU enters Saturday's matchup ranked 128th out of 130 teams in the nation, allowing 252 rushing yards per game. Now, USC is only averaging about 145 yards on the ground, but Vavai Malapea and Stephen Carr are both averaging over 5 yards per carry. Basically, I like this O-line and the confidence they're playing with right now, and I think they're going to push around some Cougars on Saturday. Prediction number two, Michael Pittman Jr. nabs his first touchdown of the season. Basically, this is just a hunch pick for me, as he's the only member of the Big Three without a touchdown yet. I like for him to build off that big second half against Stanford where we recorded six receptions for 82 yards. I think they're going to feed him when they get into the end zone this Saturday. On to prediction number three. The offensive line doesn't allow a sack on Keaton Slovis. In two games this season, the BYU defense has only recorded a single sack tied for 121st in the nation. On the other hand, USC's offensive line has only allowed two sacks in two games. Now, I would expect BYU to come up with some exotic looks and pressures to get on a true freshman quarterback, but I think the offensive line can keep him clean come Saturday. Prediction number four. Tyler Vons records his third consecutive 100-yard receiving game. Fun fact, coming to the season, Vons only had three 100-yard receiving games in his career. He's also never had back-to-back 100-yard games before he did so against Fresno State and Stanford last weekend. Now, it should be noted that BYU has not allowed 100 yards to a receiver this season, but that's mainly because teams have been so focused on running on them. Still, I like Tyler Vons to come up with another career mark and get his third consecutive 100-yard game against BYU. And finally, prediction number five. Connor Murphy records another sack. Star senior defensive end Christian Rector came out of that Stanford win with an ankle injury. Now, while the injury was classified as minor, he's still been held out of practice this week. It's unclear how much he's going to play on Saturday or even if he'll play at all. But with a big game looming against Utah on Friday, that's the kind of game you want him to be 100% at. Either way, if he doesn't play or even if he plays a limited amount of reps, that means we're probably going to see a lot more of Connor Murphy on Saturday. Now, Murphy saw his reps increase from 16 to 25 going from Fresno State to Stanford. And with those extra reps, he was able to record his first career sack. Now, Murphy's a guy we haven't seen play that much in the last couple of seasons, but he's thrilled with his new role in this rotation with the defensive line. Like I said, I think we'll see a lot more of number 90 on Saturday. I think he's going to do something with those increased reps. Those are my five predictions, and thanks for listening. All right, interesting stuff uh, from Chris Trevino. I do like the 200 yards rushing because BYU has really struggled to stop the run this year. They were good last year, but for whatever reason this year, they're having a hard time with that. But my favorite, of course, guys... Tyler Vaughn's three 100-yard games. He's my boy. He's my boy. Yeah, you've been raving about Tyler Vaughn's for like 47 years now, it feels like. (laughs) Um, So even if he has a bad game, you're raving about him. If he has a good game, it doesn't matter. I think that's actually the one that's probably the least likely to happen in this game. You know, I think they're going to be keying on Tyler Vaughn's because he does have those two back-to-back 100-yard games. Uh, And I think the fact that they drop a lot of coverage, you know, they're going to drop eight a lot in this game. We're going to see if Keaton Slovis can make the reads. That's what they're going to try to do differently than Stanford, I think, is try to make him make reads rather than being able to pick on man-to-man coverage like Stanford was trying to cover them with. I think the first three are actually the ones that are the most likely because if they do drop eight, then what do you do? You run the ball. So there's a good chance with USC's running backs. And the way the offensive line has been playing in the last couple weeks, they could run for 200 yards. I think Pittman does get in the end zone. And I think that with dropping a lot of people, you're probably not getting a ton of pressure. Now, the one I can get on board with is Connor Murphy having another sack. He probably will get more playing time now that Christian Rector, the veteran, is a little banged up there. He Connor Murphy played a career-high 38 total snaps on Saturday. He registered last year, is kind of re-emerging this season. He's credited uh, defensive line coach Chad Kay with the way that he's playing with his hair on fire. Uh, he says that Chad Kay has inspired him. 
And speaking of Chad K, Chris Trevino actually got to catch up with him at practice this week to discuss what to expect when it comes to BYU's offensive line and how beet juice might be able to play a factor in this week's game. Uh, coach, obviously you have a strong connection with BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. Absolutely. Um, what should USC fans expect out of a team run by him and a defense under him? Well, I think a defense run by him is going to be, there's going to be a lot of drop eight against us because uh, I got to work with him for uh, quite a few years. And with all of this spread spread stuff, I know my guess is Coach is going to have Coach Tuiaki do a lot of drop eight and bring some exotic pressures. That's that's what I expect. I mean, just with working with him. So I think he's going to be aggressive. He knows we have a freshman quarterback, so I'm sure he's going to come after him. And then when the time is right, He's going to drop eight and make our quarterback do some reads. So that's just with me being familiar with Kalani. Um, after you watched the tape from the Stanford game, what was something that jumped out that you really liked about your defensive line, and what was something that you know you want to get better at for this week? I liked how physical we were in the run game. Uh, I like how we, we got on and off blocks with, with violence and, and physicality. Uh, and I, in the second half, I like how we turned it up and, and wasn't playing on eggshells. Uh, in the second half when it came to pass rush. And what has jumped out to you when you're looking at that BYU offensive line? Big, strong, physical men. You know, we're talking about 23, 24-year-olds. 24, they're pretty older guys, much more mature, um, physically mature also, that uh, that'll get after you. You know, I, I, I was lucky enough to face those guys last year when I was at Boise State. And they're a completely different group. They're a much more seasoned group. You know, I think they were in developmental stages last year. And you watch these last two games, they don't look like the same old line they were last year. You know, so they they'll be ready. And how do you think your guys will handle the altitude? Are you concerned about that? Are you guys? Been- you know, I mean, I've, I've 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 been in the state of Utah, and it can be a concern. It can be. Now we're trying to do some extra things. You know, we're trying to get that beet juice in our guys and. Do a little extra conditioning, run them a little bit harder. You know, our, our beginning of practice conditioning drills were a little bit longer. It wasn't as fast. You know, we, we took a few more reps than we normally do. Um, so that that's it. And then it's us as coaches being smart, knowing the rotation, knowing when to rotate, uh, and just, again, thinking ahead, playing ahead of the chains and getting guys in. Thanks, Coach. Now back to the studio for the Parastyle pregame show. With what Chad Kay is saying, I think that puts more emphasis on the offensive line. They're going to have to communicate really well if they do bring some of those exotic blitzes. You know, if they bring a safety late or a linebacker late, are, is the offensive line going to be able to pick that up? Do they communicate that well? And that's something we've seen the first two games. That we've been really impressed with the offensive line, how well they've been able to communicate and help each other out in some situations when there's been stunts and twists and things. And then I think because if they do drop eight like that, you've got to run the ball. And so I think it's a, a big emphasis on the offensive line this game. If they can, you know, open up some holes, push back that defense. You know, there's a lot of three-man fronts from BYU in that Tennessee game. If if the offensive line does their job and has a really good game, I think USC can can kind of dominate up front and, and really control this game. And then on the defensive side, let's see how much USC continues to rotate. We talked a little bit about Christian Rector. Is he going to be healthy this game? Keely, you got us an update on that one. How much is USC going to be able to count on, on their senior veteran on that defensive line? Well, that's the big question going forward. Christian Rector was listed as a game-time decision by Clay Helton on Thursday. We did see Rector in full pads in Tuesday's practice, but it seemed like he mostly did rehab stuff. Uh, but another game-time decision is Marquis Stepp. 
We didn't know that previously, but apparently he did not practice in Thursday's close practice, so that's something to watch for as well. Chase Williams and Liam Jimmons were both guys who did not dress out for Wednesday's practice. Chase is the guy who you've seen both at nickel and that second safety spot, as well as Liam Jimmons. He's on the, the second team offensive line, but he is a key special teams member, so that's something to watch for on Saturday. But all right, guys, it's that time of the show. Time for predictions. What do you guys think is going to go down in Provo on Saturday? Yeah, you know, USC coming up a huge win against Stanford. Big win, though, for BYU and Knoxville. I just don't think Tennessee's that good. It's only a three or four point spread. I think USC is going to cover this one, put up some points on the road. I think 28-21 Trojans win. You know, I could see 28-24 happening. I could also see 28-3. I think USC wins either way. I just I don't under, know exactly how this one's going to play out. How is the quarterback going to deal, the freshman quarterback going to deal with the atmosphere, the stadium, the Provo faithful are going to be out and about on at 1230? You know, it's going to be an early game, but people are going to be out there and rowdy. So how are they going to deal with that? I, I'm, I'm still trying to figure that one out. I think the run game's got to carry USC in this one. As, as long as it does, I think they'll win this game. Yeah, it has the markings of a trap game coming off a high win, going to in a hostile environment. But I do think USC comes out with the win. I think Keaton Slovis continues uh, the role that he's on so far. I think USC comes out thirty-five to ten. I think that's a pretty good good Whoa. win for USC. I know that's a big that's a blowout on the road. Hey, I was the only one who predicted a USC win last week. I think I get the right to to keep predicting here. That, no, that's that, that's very good. It, I mean, there's the potential. You see the potential. Will it be the Stanford false positive? With or are they going to be that good now that's true I don't think this defense has really been tested yet by an elite passer not really sure that Zach Wilson is that guy but I do think that uh, they will be tested on the edges but like I've said before Graham Harrell hasn't been proven wrong yet I'm still believing in this offensive scheme of his so that's why I'm going with this this blowout all right that's going to wrap up our show here on the Peristyle pregame show thanks so much for hanging with us on this early USC game day morning of BYU week thanks to our sponsors Trader Joe's and Platinum Storage and of course Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling here in the studio. Chris Trevino with his bold predictions in that interview from practice. Mitch Harper giving us the inside scoop on BYU and former USC All-American Taylor Mays breaking it down from a player perspective. Make sure you check back KABC Radio Friday nights at midnight, though next week we'll be on Thursday at 11 p.m. before the Utah game because it's a Friday game. But Fridays at midnight, USC Peristyle pregame show. Check it out. Enjoy the game, and we will talk to you next time.